Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Andrew Scheer finds some common ground with Justin Trudeau. Spoke about uh, helping Canadians get ahead, some of the broad-based tax cuts that we are proposing in the election campaign. Uh, Seem to have found some common ground on things like uh, tax-free maternity and parental uh, leave benefits. Spoke about aspects of our environmental plan that we'd like to see uh, adopted as well. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe isn't happy after his meeting with the Prime Minister. I came today to hear about what he was going to do differently to support uh, the industries and the people in our province. And I can tell you this, I did not hear that there was going to be anything different. I heard more of the same. And what can we expect when Parliament resumes on December? December the 5th. Last month Canadians elected a parliament uh, that they expect to work together and that's exactly what I'm going to be focusing on doing. It's Wednesday, November 13th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So not a lot of surprises out of the two big meetings that Justin Trudeau held yesterday with Andrew Scheer and Scott Moe. Uh, these are these are not political allies, so nobody was going to emerge from this meeting saying, yeah, we found common ground and we've worked it all out. But it was interesting to see what the what everybody was saying afterwards once the meetings were done. Yeah, you know, it was like, you know, I don't think anybody was particularly surprised, as you suggested, that uh that there wasn't a bunch of backslapping and uh, and mutual congratulations and moving forward boldly together, or any of that. Um, you know, the positions of just about everybody are, are quite well known. Um, and there are particular, you know, issues around this. I mean, I think if you look at it in many ways, right now at least, uh, Jason Kenney in Alberta is the sort of de facto leader of the conservative movement in Canada. Uh, he probably has a better claim to it in many ways than Andrew Scheer does. Um, certainly Scott Moe, uh, you know, um, he speaks for his government, which has a strong majority mandate in Saskatchewan. But I don't know that his appeal goes much further, you know, beyond the Alberta-Saskatchewan axis, if you will. And um, no one should be surprised that uh, uh, premiers and opposition party leaders come into the prime minister's office, uh, suggest that the prime minister adopt their political programs uh, instead of the one that the aforementioned prime minister just got elected on and and expect him to go, okay, fine, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do during the election. I'm going to do what you said you were going to do. Those things, that's not how it works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we've seen many, many decades of battles between federal leaders and provinces. Uh, there's every prime minister has had a different way of dealing with it. And, um, you know, Trudeau, I think, is he does have a responsibility to meet them all and hear them out. But he's not responsible for picking up their political party programs. What about Scott Moe's reaction that it was more of the same? Obviously, this this looks like. Uh, this is we we knew it wasn't going to be easy for Justin Trudeau after an election in which he didn't elect any members in in Alberta and Saskatchewan. The Liberals didn't. Uh, the premiers weren't going to make it easy for him. But obviously, he's trying to build bridges, and and that's going to be a difficult task. Yeah, it really is. And uh, it just seems that uh, Scott Moe is extremely determined uh, not to. Uh, recognize the sort of legitimacy of uh, 
of Trudeau's uh, positions. He uh, he didn't really. I don't think he really wanted anything to come out of the meeting yesterday. I think there was a lot more politics than uh, policy on the table. Um, it's a different dimension, different dynamics when uh, Trudeau and Shear are talking because they do have to operate in the same building and uh, uh, they're going to be confronting each other on a you know near daily basis for the next number of years. Um, Scott Moe's going to go back to Saskatchewan and uh, you know subside, shall we say, into the role uh, that premiers normally uh, have. You know, Scott Moe is not going to emerge as the leader of, a, of the Western alienation movement. I mean, he's promoting it. He's doing everything he can to foster it because it's good politics for him. But um, this, there's, there's so much more going on in Alberta, and the Kenny uh, leadership in, in that province is so much more uh, dynamic, and it's a lot more troublesome from the prime minister, for the prime minister and, and for the federal government. Now, the Prime Minister is holding these meetings with uh, leaders of the opposition parties this week, Andrew Scheer yesterday, Yves-Francois Blanchet today. Uh, we'll also meet with Jagmeet Singh. Uh, and and they're, um, as you say, it's not like uh, anybody's going to come out of those meetings saying, uh, we've, we've changed course, we're going to adopt the policies that, uh, that uh, the opposition parties ran on. Uh, but Justin Trudeau, to some extent, even though it's a minority parliament, doesn't really need a lot of other support because I'm not sure any of those parties really want to force things at this stage anyway. We're not, I, I don't see anybody who really wants another election in the next few months, right? No, I, I don't think so either, and not for the next year or two years or more. Uh, you know, I, you know, if you look at the at the principal opposition parties, obviously the conservatives feel they came out of the election with with some positives. I mean, they won the popular vote. They, you know, they increased the number of seats they had, uh, and yet they are, I think, fairly obviously in the middle of a leadership crisis that's only beginning to build. Um, you know, they've tamped it down a little bit over the last week or so, uh, but political party infighting tends to just fester and, and sort of bubble along in the background until it flares up here and there. Uh, and uh, I think there's more flare-ups to come. I, I really do. And uh, especially if uh, things grind along in Parliament and the Liberals are able to forge, uh, you know, deals with the NDP and the Bloc, to, to move their agenda ahead, I think there's going to be a lot of frustration in the Conservatives. And, I mean, the, the NDP does not want an election. They're broke. Uh, they, they, they lost on almost every possible measure uh, in the last election. They, they made no, you know, they, they went backwards instead of forwards. So I, I can't see that. And, and I think, the, the, you know, if the NDP is optimistic, showing the glass half full, they're going to say, well, Jagmeet did extremely well during the campaign. People actually like him. Now they're getting to know him. They're going to see a lot more of him in the House of Commons now and uh, under the new situation. He's going to be seen as an, an important person in, in, the, in terms of the PMO and the way the Liberals work. So I think his status is going to probably improve over the next year or two, and uh, and with Blanchet and the, and the BQ, they're you know they landed an unexpected bonus in the election. I don't know who these people are they they brought in with them, but uh, that's going to be interesting too. Uh, so there's no need for an immediate election or one anytime soon, and uh, I think there is going to be a, a quite a. a a sturdy minority government for the next few years. 
Yeah, uh, we'll see how that plays out. And it all begins on December 5th, apparently. Uh, Parliament will resume then. And uh, we'll have the election of a speaker. Of course, Jeff Regan, who hails from Nova Scotia, is um, is looking to keep his job. There are others who may run for it as well. Uh, and then a speech from the throne. What what do you expect when when Parliament resumes? What do you think the the tone of the speech from the throne will be? Well, if Trudeau is smart, and if the Liberals uh, are, are smart, I think they'll they will look for areas in the throne speech. That um, that jod with other party positions, and in, in other words, they're not going to say, "Okay, we're suddenly against carbon pricing" or something like that. Um, but they could signal willingness to negotiate on some of those things. I mean, even Scott Moe only asked for a year or longer to to think about it and implement it and whatnot. Uh, and you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was the worst thing that's ever been described in any government anywhere in the world, and it's going to be total economic collapse the day after it comes in. But, you know, this is political rhetoric for elections. Um, on the more practical level, uh, you know, if you, if you hear comments for like Brian Pallister the other day talking about, look, we have to work together as a national priority to fight climate change. And that there is, if there's anything in the country in which there's something close to approaching a consensus, it's on the climate issue. It's how you do it that they're widely apart. But I do think that uh, Trudeau also has to pledge very strongly to restore ethics in government after this uh, SNC fiasco of the last uh, six or eight months. And, um, and he also has to, you know, reach out to the West and, and find ways to do that. And not just facile words and photo ops. He has to find ways to, to make concrete approaches to the problems in the uh, Western economy that are uh, not really getting much better. All right, good stuff, Dan. I appreciate your comments today, and uh, we'll see how things unfold in the weeks ahead as we approach the resumption of Parliament. Thank you for your time today. Okay, Mark. See ya. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald. This would be a way to create an unprecedented constitutional negotiation with the Government of Canada. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues, Jason Kenney is making a dangerous power play. Mason writes, Conservatives in Alberta are stoking division because they don't have a government in Ottawa that reflects their ideological leanings. So what to do? Make life as miserable as possible for the Prime Minister. This is a purely partisan play by a Conservative Premier upset he didn't get his way federally. So he's going to do something about it. In this case, take advantage of the fury in his province and milk it for all it is worth. In the National Post, John Robson argues the Western mood is hardening fast, and ignoring it will put everyone at peril. Robson writes, We have problems that won't be solved by rage or condescension. We need to think hard about how to make provinces laboratories of democracy, where voters reap what they sow. And we must be very clear about what happens if significant reform to the Federation proves impossible. So beware. If Albertans are so upset that even a hypercautious operator like Jason Kenney is making rude noises, the rest of Canada should smarten up. In the Toronto Sun, Tom Mulcair argues Justin Trudeau needs to step up on Quebec's Bill 21. Mulcair writes, During the election campaign, Justin Trudeau said he might intervene in a court case challenging Bill 21. On November 26th, the Quebec Court of Appeal will be hearing the first of several cases on the issue. 
Trudeau should walk the talk with all of his might. Instead, those challenging the law could be left to fight Bill 21 on their own. That would be shameful. At Policy Options, Shirley Tillotson asks if our nostalgia around minority governments is misplaced. Tillotson writes, Conventional wisdom is that the compromises necessary during these periods result in more lasting change. But a closer look at the details of those years tells a different story. The message for parliamentarians in a minority government? You are playing a long game. Though much was achieved during the Pearson minorities, most of it still needed a lot more work. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister continues his meetings with leaders of the opposition parties today. This morning, he sits down with the leader of the Bloc Québécois. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Prime Minister Trudeau will sit down with Yves-François Blanchette. The two men have met before, but this will be a very different meeting between Justin Trudeau and Monsieur Blanchette, as it's the first time that the Bloc leader will sit across the table from the Prime Minister as an elected MP and as a leader of the now third largest political formation in this minority. Parliament. The two leaders will talk about issues on which they will be able to work together, and the big question in many people's minds will be to what extent they'll discuss and find issues on which the Bloc will support Mr. Trudeau's government, and to what extent Mr. Trudeau will have to strike deals with the NDP and the Conservatives instead for support. Mr. Blanchet will be coming out to speak with reporters after this morning's meeting. Justin Trudeau is also slated to meet with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh on Thursday, and his office says he's in the process of setting up a meeting with Elizabeth May. His office also says that the Prime Minister fully intends to meet with the remaining provincial premiers, he's met with three so far, before Parliament reconvenes on Thursday, December 5th. Thanks, Martin. Also today, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and Deputy Leader Alexandre Boulouris will hold a press conference in Ottawa to talk about the tendering process for the replacement of the CF-18 jets. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, November 13th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.